Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Today, we are diving into home birth versus hospital birth. I am joined by my friend, Ann Margolis, who is a certified nurse midwife and has been practicing for more than 25 years. So we've got some experience here. And welcome to the show. Glad to be here. I am so excited to dive into home birth versus hospital birth with you. Now, you have been attending home births for tons and tons of years under home sweet home birth, right? Isn't that your midwifery practice? That's the name of the practice. Well, it started off as something else, I, I was, but but uh, yeah, it, it's been home sweet home birth for a while. But yeah, 27 years and, and keep going. Wow, that is awesome. Okay, so digging from all of that wisdom and experience, let's talk about the very, very, very basics. Give us some reasons, some benefits that people might want to have their baby at home over the hospital. For someone who's never considered this, what are the benefits? Well, um, you know, you'd be surprised. Um, the majority of people that I don't convince anyone where to birth, you know, I support, you know, informed, empowered, beautiful birth in all settings. Um, but, and I've worked in all settings, you know, um, but the people that come to me, contrary to all these misconceptions and myths out there are very well educated people making an informed decision. So I would say number one, um, is that they are very well aware of the hard outcomes and the hard statistics in the United States. You know, only, only about 1% of the United States population is giving birth in home. It's increasing, you know, but, but it's still like a little over 1%. And so the U.S., as you know, ranks the bottom, the worst among developed countries in the world. Um, we're, we have the highest maternal death rates relating to childbirth, horrid newborn outcomes, um, high rates of trauma, birth trauma, like oh, oh, 45%. Um, our C-section rate is well over 30%. Some places it's, you know, uh, higher than 50% in, in, in my area, you know, so, th so they come with this knowledge of being aware of that and, and wanting to avoid it and wanting to have um, a, a healthier 
ex, you know, outcome, right? They, they don't want to have surgery. They don't want these interventions. And they and they they they're aware that the countries in the world, they've done the research that have the best outcomes are countries where um, midwifery is really the, the model of care for the low risk healthy population, leaving the obstetricians, thankfully, to care for the high risk. And so the, you know, that's, they are, they're surgeons, they're, they're, you know, their specialty is, you know, serious problems and, you know, to, to diagnose, you know, with fancy technology and, and medicine and, and, and treat medically or surgically, we need them. But when they work in a team like that, then we're really serving, we're well serving the, the, the whole population of people having babies. And so the vast majority are low risk, right? So that so that's number one, is they're very concerned about the safety. They're very concerned about this, what's going on in the hospital, right? Another reason is that they really feel um, that at home, they can birth their way. They can, they're empowered. They, they don't want to lose their power. They feel like if they would go into a hospital, it's very disempowering. They, they want to birth the way they want to. They want, to, they want to trust that the birth preferences that they tell me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to support them in that. They don't have to fight me. They don't want an IV. They don't want an episiotomy. They want delayed optimal cord clamping. They don't, you know, they don't want the baby separated from them, right? So, so um, we're all, you know, we're on the same page. So like when they write their birth preferences, it's not like, um, I don't want to be induced. I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want an IV. I want no, no intervention. You know, it's, it's, it's more like, I want my husband, you know, I want my partner to catch. Um, we, you know, we want to have, you know, um, it's more individual, you know, I, I, I want to be very intimate. I like a lot of people around me. I want to be more alone. I want to try to catch my baby. I want my uh, sister to cut, uh, cut the cord when the placenta is birthed. I mean, it's, you know, they, they, they don't have to, um, fight with, we don't have hospital policies that are outdated and not evidence-based to dictate care. What we have is, is what's best for that mom and that baby psychologically, spiritually, and physically. Yes, safety dictates, but, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's, yes, it's what's safe, but what's better. It, it's a whole experience. They, they believe it's sacred. It's a normal part of life. They want to have a beautiful birth, right? And, and beautiful to them could be, you know, could mean many different things, but it's in their space, so they can decorate and have whatever their pregnancy altar. They can eat and drink as they want. They can make love. They can, you know, they, they, it's their birth and they can, you know, have it how they want. As long as, you know, it's safe. No, nobody's doing any kind of ask, asking me any kind of outrageous, you know, <laughs> questions. Like I, I can rarely, I've had somebody say, you know, can you not check the baby's heart rate? I'm like, no, I can't do that if you want me to take <laughs> responsibility, you know, like, no, but everybody's reasonable. They all agree. If there's a problem, you know, we'll either prevent it, treat it naturally, or yeah, I, I bring the birth center to them. I have all the same equipment that an out of hospital birthing center will have, you know, but um, everything's a discussion. It's collaborative care. I come in as like, nah, I'm this expert midwife and I'm going to tell you what to do. It's like, you know, this is what they trust me. You know, this is, this is what's going on. This is what I recommend. And they could say yes or no. And, and, you know, as long as there's no emergency, 
And you know what's amazing is that, is that the vast majority it works. So that's that's another reason, um, uh, especially now with when COVID came out, uh, we were getting 25 calls a day. That's based, you know, of, of people that just didn't want to go in the hospital in that situation. That you know, in the beginning when it came out, they had you know, and still having to be, you know, laboring with a mask and 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 nobody can be there with them. You know, that it, 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 the partner and then the doula. You know, it was it was. You know, for a lot of people, birth is a family affair. They have other kids they want there. They have their mother, their sister-in-law, whatever, you know, and, and they don't want, they don't want to wear a mask yeah. and they don't want that. Uh, what's, you know, um, the hospitals for sick people that they really feel that, you know, and we're grateful for it. But another thing, you know, I've had, I've had people that um, have had history of fast births before. And so, you know, they've given birth on the car and the way to the hospital. So, so rather than do that, let them have the, their midwife come to them and they have their supplies there and there's no 911. I'm the 911. When, you know, things are going, I go there and like, it's just there. And they, they, and they, you know, but, but um, they can have a spiritual experience, a beautiful experience. There's no separation. They can decline the newborn procedures. I'm not going to call, um, I'm not going to call CPS on them. No, CPS haven't has enough uh, problems to, 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 yeah. So, so, the, so there's a lot of reasons. So, you know, I could go on, but, uh, and I mentioned them in my book, you know, but the, the why people would want to have a home, a home birth. Yeah. I love how you, you kind of draw the conclusions that the environments are totally different. So in my opinion, a home birth is more of an ecosystem. Everyone working together everyone has a role but it's not a distinct role it's a flexible role it is a role that can overlap with others as well it is a true ecosystem when one piece moves the other pieces move alongside it to make it a cohesive ecosystem in the hospital you're unlikely to find that now sometimes in birth centers or really really well oiled lnd units you'll get this but for the most part you're not going to have this ecosystem System. It's much more of a, hmm, I picture it as this like kingdom. It's a castle almost, but you as the birther, you're just a peasant person. You're not the king. You're not the queen. You're not even like the guards that are protecting the castle. Like you're really on the very bottom of the totem pole. And it's That's much in, a, in a hospital, you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, so in a it, home, the, it's, it's everybody is focused on the mom. Exactly. Right? And, and, right. And safeguarding that space and supporting her, whether she needs privacy, whether she needs a lot of support, whatever she needs. You know, I've had I've had people give birth singing and breathing and dancing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually, you know, fun. A lot of we have yeah. fun. It we're con yeah. you know, it's not this like, um, you know, I, I, as a nurse, when I was an OB nurse, I. I, that was when I developed fear of birth, you know, it was like everything was in a crisis to happen, an emergency to happen and a lawsuit to potential lawsuit. And I never, I never felt like this can't be the way babies, you know, like throughout history, babies came into the world as a part of family life, just a normal part of family life. And now we can actually enjoy, you know, we can, we can bring pleasure into it and have fun with it, you know? I've had a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of laughter going on and, 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 you know, just sensuality and, and, and just calm, just 
being as the north, you know, how they want it, the say, you know, the sacredness of it. It's really a, a sacred experience. And a lot of people want want to have that. And it's very hard to have that in the hospital. I mean, I worked in a hospital where they just um, let, a, you know, let the midwives do our thing. And, you know, I, I said, everyone move in, you know, bring everything, your little string Christmas lights, your, you know, your, your, your ambiance of whatever. And we just took over the hospital room and you could have like this home birth feeling in the hospital, but, but it's very, you know, that was a very unique place. Yeah. I'm glad I got that experience. Yeah, that's going to be rare to find out there. Although, you know, those twinkle lights can make a big, big difference when you want, you know, to kind of transform that hospital room. Okay, so I do, I would love to have a conversation or touch on at least when we say people have been having their babies for decades and decades and generations at home, there will undoubtedly be that one person that goes, yeah, but so many people died. Yes, a lot of people died, right? But when we think about where we have come with medicine, the reasons that people died, we have the solution to those. Right. People think that home birth killed a bunch of people back then, but it wasn't. It was it was a precipitous labors. It was people being exhausted and not being able to no get attendant, out of work. No attendant, no medic, exactly. no emergency medication Infections. and management. Right. Infection, exactly. poor nutrition, right? Exactly. Poverty. All of the things that used to be the reasons of death during home birth. I have never have had to- a woman die in my care. Not never. And and think of what's going on in the United States, right? In our in in our, yeah. So so yeah. I um I, I may this may offend some people, but I do not support free birth. I'm I'm sorry. I I I've I've been at enough births where meaning I support free birth with me in the background, just there, just in case you know you have your free birth. I'm not sure. going to do anything. I mean, I, that's the best intervention at a birth is no intervention, right? But my eyes and my ears, my heart, everything's open. I can talk. But um, I have been at enough births where that if I was not there with my skills of, 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 of dealing with an emergency like shoulder dystocia or a postpartum hemorrhage where the natural remedies aren't working or a baby that's just born not breathing and not responding, we would have had a damaged or dead mom or baby. So, so the, I, I do support choice and I understand where it comes from that people want to have a free birth, but the baby has no uh, voice in that discussion to see a baby be born and, 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 and just not respond, you know, um, that baby needs help. Who's going to do that? Right. If nobody's there. So, so I am very thankful for what, you know, the emergency skills and, and remedies that I carry uh, but the vast, vast majority do just fine, you know. So talk to us important. about those emergencies. What would an emergency look like at home birth? And how is a typical emergency handled? Because I know a lot of people are like, well, what if an emergency happens? You're with a trained medical professional. That's why you have right. a midwife there. What might that look like? So uh, listen, we, we're very, uh, we screen, you know, Humber's not for everybody, you know, it's only for the lowest population. So I'm not taking anybody with a drug addiction, right? I'm not taking anybody with, with certain, you know, a, a heart condition or insulin dependent diabetes or, 
you know, um, I'm very selective on, you know, that's what prenatal care is. So I really, who's coming into the labor is a very, it's a healthy mom with a low risk pregnancy. Right. Right. But even when that happens, you know, birth is groovy until it's not. And then sometimes uh, meconium happens, right? And, and there, there's a lot of times where we can, um, so I'd say the most common emergency we have with a mom would be, uh, I'm saying at a birth, would be a postpartum hemorrhage. Sure, and, sure. you know, we do all our natural things and I'm not liking what, how much blood that's coming out and, and nothing's what's doing working. I have Pitocin, I have Methogen, I have Cytotec, you know, I, 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 ha, I, I ha, can start an IV. I have never lost a mama to a postpartum hemorrhage and um, not once. There was, you know, uh, retained placenta with a postpartum hemorrhage. I mean, I've had to go in and do a manual removal, um, but I you know, that we, we do what we have to do, but, but most of the time, um, I think that that's pretty much the most common emergency with a woman. Um, I had, I had one in the hospital and one at home, an atypical eclampsia where the mom had preeclampsia. I don't know if your audience knows, but it's a, it's a, it's a really serious illness, uh, especially uh, for first, it, it can happen. Um, it's more common with first time moms, uh, people expecting uh, that have high blood pressure already, but you know, we, we don't like it. And, and uh, you know, I have a lot of my prevention stuff that I do, um, uh, but uh, I, had a, I had a mom in the hospital who just started seizing even though she had normal blood pressure and normal, no, no signs. Right. And so the neurologist at that, you know, I said, I need help in room three. And then, you know, that everybody was there and yeah, she, she, um, they gave her mag sulfate and they gave her a bunch of, uh, treatments and everything, but the, but the diagnosis was atypical eclampsia. So because that happened, I started, I, in my years ago, I carried mag in my, uh, in my bag and I gave a whole speech to the, like a class to all the home birth midwives. Cause in New York, there's a lot, there's a number of us and we, we, we are, we're sisters, we help each other. And that was a presentation that I gave. And, and I, and I implored them just bring mag sulfate. It's a horrible emergency. Nobody wants to see it. And wouldn't, you know, in, in the first few years of my practice, I had a beautiful water birth and, and, and that, and, and 15 minutes in the mom just started to have a, a seizure and, um, at normal, normal blood pressure. And so we trained, we called 911. I, I jumped in the tub and started an IV. We gave her the mag sulfate. She was stable by the time EMTs got there and the, um, the same diagnosis, atypical eclampsia. And the doctor there said, your midwife saved your life. So she now has become my best friend. <laughs> She's, she just, you know, no, you know, I, she's had many other babies since then, but um, yeah, th that's very rare. Right. I would, so I don't want you know, pregnant people, they, when you tell one complication, they, 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 they think it's contagious and that's going to happen to them. But that, you know, so mom would be postpartum hemorrhage baby. Um, we've had some shoulder dystocias. In fact, um, I, we were filmed uh, for a few documentaries. One was TLC Baby Story. 
And of course, mom's in the tub and, and uh, there's, there's the, all the signs. Baby is uh, the, just having, you know, the, 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 the uh, turtle sign, you know, the, the baby's head is out like that. And there's no, you know, the shoulders are stuck, you, could, you know? And I, and I said, Let, let's just get out of the tub. And she, we were being filmed by the television. You know, uh, we, there were two filmers, uh, two photographers there um, filming the birth um, after the 17 hour labor. And um, I said, okay, now this is a, this is an emergency. I said, okay, let's just get out of the tub. And, you know, I had to do some things. And then we had a little resuscitation of the baby, which is common. And would you believe the TV people said that was the best birth they've ever seen. And, you know, my heart was going, you know, that we had an emergency there. So it's interesting, you know, it was just dealt with. But um, yeah, you, you, a shoulder dystocias when the shoulders, one or two of the shoulders get stuck behind the, um, the pelvic bones and you have minutes to get, to get the baby out. And, and um, thankfully, thankfully, um, uh, even I've had some nasty ones, I've been, able, I've been able to resolve that. And then the most common emergency for a baby, because shoulder dystocia is not the most common. The most common is that a baby just needs a little jump start, a little a couple of breaths, right? little resuscitation. And um, whether that's a few breaths or that's five minutes, you know, some, we're not giving medications and, 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 you know, uh, things that would call uh, cutting the cord right away. So um, it's not like we have that often, but it happens. And, and um, baby just needs a little, a little, a little breath little stimulation to breathe. And that's the most common emergency. If the baby's not, it's so rare that I have to call 911. And in a handful of times in 27 years, I've called 911. And what kind of credentials do certified nurse midwives, and there are multiple um, different credentials that midwives can have, but CNMs in particular, what kind of training do you have on newborn resuscitation? I assume that you must be certified in it. And keep Every two years. We have exactly. to get recertified every two years in both adult CPR and thank God I've never had to give adult CPR to a mom, but um, yeah, neonatal resuscitation, uh, we have to get recertified every two years and also adult CPR. And yeah. the, in New York where I am, a master's training is required. So you have to go, yeah, uh, so to nurse midwife, you have to go, you know, four years of, of, of college, which is a nursing degree, and then the master's part of the midwifery right right so seven years people, <laughs> yeah so when people say you know home birth is dangerous because you're you know you don't have someone who is educated and and professional there that's just a plum lie especially if you're working with a cnm um the you know your attendant is well trained they're a medical professional they are highly educated um with acute training in in what to do in emergencies in particular okay so i would love to talk about what are some things that we should be aware of when it comes to home birth so what do we do if we have a precipitous labor um you know what what do we do if we need an induction is there a way that we can do inductions at home um what do we do not in the standard way but for, for precipitous births like you know i just on christmas we had Christmas day, uh, we had a, yeah, I get a lot, you know, a lot of people precipitous births. I mean, she said from start to finish her last baby was 45 minutes. So I said, I want you to call me as soon as you feel anything. We're not playing around because, you know, she, she was a, a good 45 minute drive from me. 
but I made it, you know, um, but if, if I, I work with them, right? Like if, if whatever sign that you had last time when it was so fast, you know, but I, you know, I could tell where somebody's at a lot of times just hearing what's happening on the phone. You know, I had, I had a first birth, <laughs> I had a first birth and they were from uh, somewhere in the in Denmark or Sweden or something like that. And I remember that call. Um, cause I tell everyone when to call me, I want them to call me, you know, just let me know you're in early labor, just, you know, and I tell them the signs, you don't have to wake me up in the middle of the night. If it's your first baby, just let me know in the morning that you're in early labor and, and we'll go from there. Um, well, the first call I got from this family <laughs> was first baby, first baby. The husband says, I think my wife is starting labor. And I hear in the background, ah! I'm like, oh yeah, you know, so like I, I made it. I, I, my assistant and I were both like um, 45 minutes in the opposite direction. We made it just in time to catch that baby. I'm like starting labor. She said, yeah, that's how it started. Like he, he, he just called me like within a half an hour of it being like that, you know? Um, so yeah, we, you know, I could, I could write a book, but <laughs> um, in terms of induction, I, I, I really, um, I really prefer that labor starts on its own, you know, um, but there are times where my, peri my, I have such a supportive obstetrician I work with, you know, he tells all my moms, you're going to get better care with the midwives. I don't want to see you really. I don't, but I'm here. If you need me, you're going to midwives handle this much better than I do. I wasn't even trained in normal birth. He tells them <laughs> he's a character. It's he's true. No, but so, so, but, but, but he, he once said to me, I mean, there was, I had someone like, he'll say sometimes, you know, like, um, whatever, someone had cholecystitis, uh, not cholecystitis, uh, cholestasis of pregnancy. Um, and he, he was like, you know, get her delivered. All right. <laughs> do your thing, do your, so I have, I have natural remedies. They're all in my book, um, about, you know, what, you know, what can work. And I, and I've had a lot of success with different ones. And then I, I work with this acupuncture who gets everybody into labor, this acupuncturist near me. I mean, like he, he told this, this, this first time mom, her cervix wasn't at all ready and she's 38 weeks. So how am I going to get her in labor? He said, if you don't get her in labor in a few days, I want her in the hospital. So I'm like, Oh, great. So, you know, I, I, I just, my acupuncturist got her into labor. <laughs> that was she had a home birth and it was great so but you know what even those medications in the hospital don't always work that's awesome to hear so while we're on the topic of transfers can we talk a little bit about most transfers are not emergencies from home non-emergent well uh, how much time do we have because i would like to share my own story um, yeah, go for it. I would say we have another 15 minutes or okay. so. Okay, people think that, you know, so if I, if I don't like to wait till the meconium hits the fan, you know, like if I see, I'm not I'm seeing a red flag here and a red flag here, you know, like I'm not liking the way the baby heart rate sound, you know, the baby's heart rate sound, I'm not going to wait till it's a crisis or the, but, but the most common emergency is a stuck labor. Mom has been in labor on and off for many days and she is just completely exhausted and not making any progress. And we've tried everything. We've tried everything. You know, I, I was, 
I just attended the VBAC of somebody who the first baby was in labor for 60 hours with hard every, labor every two, three minutes, but she wanted to do it. She wanted to do it. She was like in transition the entire time and didn't make any cervical change. And, and um, it had to do with the size of her baby compared to how, you know, her pelvis was. And, but after 60 hours, you know, we made this mutual decision of we'd done everything and we, I brought her in and, and she had a cesarean, but she grew a smaller baby the next time and had a beautiful VBAC. Um, and, you know, it was really, it was really amazing, you know, uh, but, but anyway, that's not an emergency. A stuck labor with an exhausted mom. We make a mutual decision to go in. And sometimes they just need an epidural and some Pitocin and, you know, after we've done everything and, and, and they can still have a vaginal birth. And sometimes they need a cesarean. My cesarean rate is 5% and my transfer rate is 7%. So, um, but so what, so what happened to me, you know, and this is what stimulated my passion to become a midwife was, um, I was a labor, I was a maternity nurse and I was also pregnant and given the royal treatment on the unit where I worked when I was giving birth. And based on, I had all the cascade of interventions. I hadn't heard of a midwife at this point. So, you know, one leads to the other, leads to the other. And of course I'm not laboring well when I'm on you know, continuous monitoring and all that, you know, IV can't eat, drink, move, all that. So I, I kept me, I was still four, I was still four. And so they gave me Pitocin, which was so intense. It made the, the heart rate drop so dangerously that I was whisked to the, to the operating room, my biggest fear. Um, based on what I knew as a nurse, the heart rate was so bad that they had minutes to get her out. And I was in the OR waiting 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour for the assistant surgeon who never came. And the epidural kicked in and somehow I was pushing after an hour. But I had was in such a traumatic state because I went from my baby's going to be damaged to my baby's dead. And um, an hour when they of a stat section right so when when they he when i was pushing he in the doctor works and, he, and he's panicking grab me a vacuum and he cut this huge episiotomy vacuumed her out and i had i'd left i was in a traumatic state i i didn't want to see her i couldn't i i just couldn't handle anything and um they said she's fine look at your baby i'm like what like i i, I just wasn't i was disassociated and and so number one what I learned from that is they no, totally missed the diagnosis of fetal uh, distress when maybe there was a little um, something, but it corrected itself. Number two, how safe is that? How safe was I? If I really had, if my baby really had that kind of fetal distress that they thought, we wouldn't have had a live baby, right? So, so at home, if if I'm not liking the heartbeat. Right. And, and then there's meconium and, you know, there's a couple of other signs, you know, I, I'll call the hospital and say, we're coming in. This is what's going on. I can have my my mom in, in, the, in the operating room and, and have a section long before what happened to me. You know, unless they're living in a very rural, you know, area. But but, you know, I haven't had that situation where we got there too late. That I think I think a lot of people should find comfort in that, right? In knowing that most of the time when you transfer from home birth, it's not for an emergent reason. It's to get you pain relief. It's to get you rest. It's to get you 
mainly pain relief and rest are really the reasons that we see a lot of, of, um, you know, transfers. I think a lot of times when we transfer for stalled labors or labors that are stuck, it's because you need pain relief in order to relax your body in order for it to continue to progress, or you need rest in order to have your body relax enough for you to continue to progress. So when we, we try, we, you know, we, we give them, we give them something to sleep. We give them, you know, what are, what, what pain relief we have available in the home setting, but you know, I've had people say, do you give epidurals at home? I said, no, <laughs> but you know what? I've never had a transfer, never, not once uh, for a mom who, who couldn't take the pain of normal labor and wanted an epidural, never. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, you know, something that was not normal, then that's a different, then, then that's the compassionate use of, of an epidural if it's not working and whatever we're doing at home. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it just requires some discernment of are you hurting because something is abnormal or are you feeling the normal sensations and pressures of labor and we can help get you some support here. I think instead of thinking of home birth as dangerous or not dangerous, we should just be thinking about it as limited in terms of the tools that you have accessible. And if Oh, I think I have, because in the hospital, you can't use a lot of the, like, uh, they won't let us use herbs. And I've had people call their acupuncturist in, their chiropractor in. I mean, I I feel we have more tools. It's the limited is in terms of we can't do surgery and we can't do an epidural. That's, or give Pitocin, you know, like, like if that's what the mom needs for for labor. Yeah, I guess they both have limitations then. So maybe in terms of dangerous versus not dangerous, we should think about it as what limitations make me feel safer. So for me personally, I know I would rather give up access to easy access to an epidural or an OR in order to have all the benefits of a home birth. That's not going to be for everybody. And I respect that 100%. We both do. But, you know, I think in terms of safe versus not safe, both home and hospital are a safe place to have your baby. They're going to have different safety, right? And so you as a birther need to think about what defines safe to you. When I walk into a hospital and I know my rate based off of just walking through those doors is 45 plus percent of trauma and 30% C-section rate, that doesn't feel safe to me. That's not a place that I am going to equate to being safe. That is I know it's the same story for so many people in home birth. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to make sure that if you are thinking about having a home birth or you've been teetering with the idea or you're dealing with people in your life who don't believe in home birth or they challenge the safety of it, I hope that today's episode was helpful for you. I hope that you were able to see the benefits of home birth, the safety of home birth, and learn a little bit about the credentials and the requirements of the people who are attending home births. There is um, a ton of research about the safety of home birth with plant and with, 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 trained professional midwives. I mean, it, it ton of research um, it, it, on that. It's all over the internet. So it can be easily found. 
Yeah, and I think that you should find a lot of uh, comfort too in knowing that the countries that do much better than the U.S. they are predominantly cared for by midwives. They were a lot more out of hospital birthing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they reserve their OBs and their surgeons for the people who truly need medicalized births in order to have the safest births and the best outcomes. That's going to be the minority of the birthing population. So chances are you. You fall into a category of a normal, straightforward, um, easy pregnancy and labor, and you should be being attended by midwives too. All right, before I let you go, Anne, can you please tell us about your book? You've written a book, and um, I think people need to get their hands on it. How can they connect with you and find your book and start to learn from you? The book started before we had internet. And um, actually when I was in the hospital, when I was working in a hospital practice and they would give me 15, 20 minutes per visit. Um, and, you know, it's basically, hi, how are you? And, you know, but but they had, I'm nauseous, I'm tired, I'm I'm having some, I'm feeling really down or, you know, how do I convince my, my family's really against my birth plan or I want my, you know, you know uh, all questions about the pros and cons of Rogam or ultrasound or, you know, so I started, um, I spent tons of time making these handouts. We had word perfect, that was basically it. And I would make the, I would research and make these handouts explaining all these things. You know, do I get the test to screen for Down syndrome? Do I not? You know, um, how can I best support myself postpartum? You know, uh, you know, it goes, it takes, how do I get pregnant holistically, you know, um, diet, exercise, you know, mind, body, heart, and spirit. What can I do to improve my, uh, my lifestyle? Um, what remedies do you have for constipation? Right. So, so basically I, 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 they became handouts and I would bring them. Cause like in the last two minutes that someone is going to tell me all their complaints and I don't have time for them. I had a waiting room full of people. So I would say, here's a handout on that. Here's a hand. So pe my people, and then became in my practice would walk around with binder, a binder that had all these handouts and they would call it their Bible. Anne's childbearing Bible, whatever it was. And you should write a book. You should write a book. So finally, you know, with, with, um, I, I wrote a book <laughs> and it became a bestseller. It's natural birth secrets. The second it's out in second edition. And it's really the whole, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say, I don't know Bible, but it's a guidebook from the entire journey of planning a pregnancy through, uh, uh, postpartum and how to rock the experience, how to treat it, you know, any, any of the common discomforts, you know, holistically, it's a real dive into the evidence on ultrasound, on home birth, on a lot of the common um, issues that, that, you know, people uh, want to you know, group B strep, you know, hot topics, uh, as well as do I have, you know, what, how, do I have my kids at birth or not? Do I have my family, uh, you know, my friend wants to come at the birth, but my mother-in-law is really in, uh, stressing me out and wants to be there, like how to make decisions on who's going to be at the birth and and how to make your birth plan. You know, it's just, it's just like that has like this guide that, that really covers just about everything that I've seen. And it's 580 pages, you know, but it is available on ebook on my website, homesweethomebirth.com, or you can get it like on Amazon. It's, it's kind of all over, all over the internet. That is awesome. What an amazing resource. Okay. And then the last, last thing is you help people make birth plans um, for their home birth. So if people were looking on birth. how 
Yeah, how to how to plan out their home birth and things that they needed to know and, and consider. Where can they work with you on that? Because people, especially first timers, they don't know what they don't know, right? Don't wing it. If you if you want if you want a healthy feeling a positive experience that you're going to treasure forever today, don't wing it. And, and especially in the hospital and even at home, because we're cultured in a certain way that you know we're all in our mind. And, and not enough in our bodies. And, and uh, there, there could be subconscious fears. And a lot of even first timers just don't know. There's like 50 different things to think about, at least that, 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 that it's just going to be done to you. If you don't question it, it's just going to be done. And some of those things are actually risky. So, and some of them could just be, do you want to discuss, like there are people that still want to not know the sex of the baby until the birth. They want to discover it on their own. Well, if you want to do that in the hospital, you need to, you need to tell your provider that don't just say it's a boy, you know, like you want to discover that certainly delayed cord clamping, um, IV routine use of all these interventions and tests from the pregnancy, birth and postpartum. And it gives you a gauge to say, how do I feel about that? You know, I don't know anything about that. I'm going to look and look into that, learn about that, discuss it with my partner, discuss it with my with my provider, and see if we're in alignment. And if we're not in alignment, you know what? We can switch. You can switch providers. <laughs> Even in labor, you can switch providers. But no, but you can you hopefully find this out before labor. Have this discussion with your provider and setting. And to see if you're on the same page. So it's 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 homesweethomebirth.com forward slash gift. And it's it's a it's a mini video download course where where just helps you create your birth plan and then even get into you know thinking of all you know what what gives you pleasure, how do you want to be touched, you know, how do you, you know, what do you want to eat and drink? How do you what do you want to smell? What do you want to see? What do you want to hear? music playlist, you know, create your, your dream experience wherever you are, home or hospital or birth center. All right, guys, tons of resources for you to start planning your home birth, tons of resources for you to get the science and the data about home birth to learn about the safety. And again, the credentials of the people who might attend your labor. If you've been thinking about home birth, definitely, definitely, definitely give it a look. You want to make sure that when you are having your baby, you're at the place that you feel absolutely the most comfortable. If that's not your home, be sure that you're exploring birth centers in your area too. Please, please, please do not think that the only place is hotel. I've done Airbnbs. I've done friends' houses, grandparents' houses. Doesn't have to be your home. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't have to be your home. You can have your baby wherever you want to have your baby, wherever you feel safest is what is best for you. We will see you next time on the Birth Bond Podcast. Until then, give us a follow over on Instagram. We're at Trinkolade.hee or check us out on YouTube. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. 
You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to the birth lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.